We're going to merge science, conservation, and art on the program today. The Bear River Watershed Council has organized a photo exhibit called Radiant or Ravaged. They're hoping to engage both amateur and professional photographers to take a, take a close look at their watershed with a different eye, not only to see the beauty, but also look for impacts of human activities that may not be beneficial. We're going to get into that following follow-up from yesterday's program. We had a lot of response uh, to an interesting discussion on the Antiquities Act, an act passed in 1906 that is uh, vaulted into the uh, public consciousness, at least in Utah, uh, because of Representative Rob Bishop's uh, bill, which has passed the House of Representatives, moves on to the Senate now, which would uh, limit the president's current unlimited uh, unilateral uh, power to create national monuments. And so we had a vigorous discussion. Representative Bishop joined us. We had Representative State Representative Mike Noel, uh, Tim Wagner from the Sierra Club, and some other guests, and uh, quite a few comments. Some came in after the program. Want to. Uh, get those on, on and uh, this discussion can continue on our Facebook site, Utah Public Radio Facebook site, and on our website, upr.org. This comment uh, came, uh, was at least posted uh, during the program, didn't come through uh, until after the program, so I apologize to the emailer uh, for that. In any, any case, we get this on now. This is from James. He says, I find it naive to imply that the public does not have input into the president's decision. The representatives in the affected states have their ear to this process continually. The cattle, cattle lobby, mining lobby, and oil and gas industry certainly express their feelings. The cumbersome public input process would only block the decision until a more favorable political climate was obtained. The reality is that John Q. Public would once again be left out because of the funding required to mount a reasonable defense of protection. Thank you, says James. So we uh, appreciate your comment. Thank you for that, James. Uh, these emails came in after the program. I wanted to get these on. This is uh, again from James, who writes back. He says, your last caller made me want to puke. A bit more balance in the comments of listeners would have been good. Mike Noel's comments on the last caller indicating that the number of people opposed to pres preserving public land is inaccurate. Uh, look at the increased number of people visiting national monuments and parks would show that. And that, I believe, is James writing back. And then uh, our next-to-last caller, I hasten to point out this is not our last caller, but next-to-last caller on the program, Richard, emails back in. He says, thanks for the wonderful public lands discussion. I really enjoyed everything. I was one of the callers. Would you please put this discussion on a podcast? I would love to listen to the whole thing while I drive. So, Richard... We'll uh, look into doing that and uh, make sure you're able to able to do that. So let's uh, turn next to uh, Radiant or Ravaged. Uh, this is an exhibit, and uh, Bear River Watershed Council is encouraging people to uh, to submit their photos for this. Just got uh, Dan Miller one more day to submit your photo. One more day. Okay. Not, not much time left. So Dan Miller is uh, with the Bear River Watershed Council. He's co-founder. He's also a uh, professional photographer, at least a, was a professional photographer. Yeah, used to be. Worked with okay. the Salt Lake Tribune and, and the Herald Journal. Okay. We also invite in USU graduate photography student Beth Hansen, who's involved with the project. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having us. And uh, do we have on the line, uh, Tom Bunn joins us. Uh, Tom Bunn is a photographer. Uh, that's your avocation, right? Not not your day job. Tom. That is that is correct. Yes. <laughs> what 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 is your day job? Uh, I'm an instructional designer for a corporation. Okay, but I've I've looked at some of your photographs. You're you're a very good photographer. Oh, well, 
I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, photography got me my job, but instructional design got me my career. Okay. And uh, uh, probably some photographers, well, we'll talk about that as we go, go forward. Dan Miller made a career change, for example. Um, so this, this uh, photo exhibit, Radiant or Ravaged, you're, uh, Dan Miller, you're asking people not only to look at the radiant beauty of their watershed and their landscape, but also to look at ravaged aspects. And uh, I believe you're, you're thinking that such photos could not only point out the beauty of an area, but also highlight areas that may need special attention or protection. It could be a, could be a help. It could absolutely be a help. And um, the thing that I'm trying to, or that I've seen in the past, is, is you always see these beautiful calendar photographs and, and you, you just think to yourself, there's, you know, there's something behind that that might not be quite as pretty. And uh, in our organization in the past couple of years, we've been running a project called uh, Project MUD, or Motorized Use Data, where we had volunteers going out and taking photographs of motorized impacts, uh, negative impacts to the landscape. And as these photos came in, we started to realize that, that there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, the volunteers were also taking some radiant photos, but a lot of ravaged stuff. And, and as we made, made this collection, the idea for the exhibit came up and, and to take it to the general public. Hmm. Now, you have a background. I want to delve into that a little bit. A professional photographer, you mentioned, for newspapers. Yeah, I worked for a, a weekly newspaper in Davis County and then went to the Salt Lake Tribune for five years and then came up and worked for the Herald-Journal for eight. So just whatever you were assigned, a, a full range of photography assignments, I imagine. A full range, everything from um, car accidents and blood and gore to uh, photographing the jazz mm -hmm. that, that same evening. Yeah. So at a certain point, you made a career change. I decided not to want, didn't want to do that anymore. I did. Um, it was a combination of a lot of things, but uh, I, I, I did some freelance for a while and odd jobs, and, and uh, that wasn't paying the bills, and ended up landing a job with uh, Utah State University Press and uh, doing uh, design work and uh, typesetting for them. Hmm. And it's uh, not in your professional life, but certainly a great interest of yours and a concern of yours, uh, the watershed. And so you co-founded Bear River Watershed Council. How did that happen? Uh, I did. It was uh, years ago when um, the forest plan was uh, being discussed, and a bunch of us were getting together, and we realized that there was no organization to address a lot of the issues. So Tim Wagner, who was on your show yesterday, and I co-founded the Bear River Watershed Council, and um, it was a, a rough road, rough and rocky road for sure. Um, at one point, we imploded because we, we had... Uh, tried to address every issue on the watershed and uh, couldn't deal with it. We didn't have the resources. And so we backed up a little bit, and uh, somebody asked us to focus on motorized in, uh, impacts, and, and that's mm. what we did for about five or six years. Yeah. So uh, give, me a, give me a range of the issues that you, you tried to do oh, well, all was, at once. There's uh, a night in narrows. You know, mm -hmm. there, there was, uh, you know, grazing. There, there's, you know, you know, so up in Evanston, there, there's, you know, good things going on there's bad things going on and it, it was just too much you know and, yeah. and you know gr growth and and you know uh, houses moving into into the uh, watershed and closer close to you know impacting the rivers and things like that and, and we just couldn't we couldn't do yeah. it so now you're focused on or at least have been focused on motorized access we, we have and right now we're ha having a discussion about uh, 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 beaver and and uh, trying to work with uh, introdu the introduction of beaver and using beaver as a tool for restoration. 
uh, and uh, the board hasn't decided you know, that we're going to go that direction, but, it, but it's a serious discussion. Hmm. So you're talking about the animal? The animal beaver, oh, okay, yes. Yeah, because, because there are some towns named beaver, and I, I just want to make sure it's clear. What, what, would, uh, what would that do? introducing there are some areas where beaver are no more and you're reintroducing them correct and and there's a lot of science going on right here on campus uh on on where the beaver are where they could be uh and i do know that there was a project up blacksmith fork i think close to hardware ranch where they needed some serious restoration to the stream in the riparian area and instead of going in there with machines and a lot of handwork which would cost millions they introduced beaver and they said within, I think it was two or three years, they had done more than uh, we could have done by hand and by mechanical means. And it was like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars cheaper. Hmm. Interesting. So the, so the, the back to nature as it were. Exactly. The way nature, nature yeah. had it. So we think it's a really great, great idea to move forward with and, and direct our resources. Yeah. We- uh, let me turn to, uh, uh, to Beth. So you're a, uh, tell me yeah, your background. You're a, a graduate student in photography. That's right. So I imagine at a certain point uh, that was uh, not your study, but you, you were interested in photography early on probably. Right. How, how did that come about? Um, well, I, I don't know. I just wanted to be a photographer when I was little, so I went to college for it and then decided to pursue my master's degree, and I ended up here. Yeah. Uh, so you're involved. How are you involved in this exhibit? Um, Dan and I have been kind of co-partners trying to get everything up and running, um, writing grants and making the rules. And we've been working with a, a group of students from Utah State as well, um, just making everything come together. Mm-hmm. And you've been seeing at least some of the uh, photos as they've been coming in. Right. We have been getting a lot of submissions this last week. Um, that's pretty exciting. Mm. So the word's been getting out there. Good, and, and only one more day, so if, you, if people are interested, uh, how, how do how do they get the photograph to you? Um, they can either mail it or bring it in um, to the just the USU Art Department, and that, I think the address is on our website. Okay, uh, which uh, website is uh, brwc.org, is it? It's brwcouncil.org. Oh, okay. And I, I just want to jump in real quick. Uh, yes. Mailing it's probably a little bit yeah. too late at this point. Okay. And so bring it in at yeah. this point. And then the exhibit will be, will be coming up fairly shortly. Uh, yeah, next Friday. Okay. It opens on the 11th during right. the um, the gallery walk downtown. Yeah. And, and just I'd just like to jump in again, too. Um, the, the photographs aren't just going to be hung. They're going to go through a jury process. So we have two professional photographers that, that will uh, review them and decide if, if they can make the cut or not. And, mm-hmm. and they'll probably give a little flavor to, to what it actually gets hung. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and those jurors are Howie Garber, uh, Salt Lake City nature photographer, and uh, assistant professor um, Karsten Meyer. 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 Yeah, very good. Uh, and I, I noticed a couple of quotes in an article I was reading from both of those gentlemen saying they're very interested in the intersection of art, the photography side, and the science side. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. But Beth, as you've, you've seen some of these prints come in, uh, do you have some ravaged photos as it were in other words uh, not the usual beautiful uh, um, I stuff, think so there has, problems? there has been more radiant uh-huh. um, but we do have some ravaged yes yeah what, what sorts of things are you are you seeing um, off the top of my head I'm I can't remember all okay. of them I know that we do have some from the council as well that 
um, are going to be displayed yeah. that have some of the ravaged. Some of them are on the site, the yes. Facebook page. By the way, I'll, I'll invite our listeners to go to our Facebook page, Utah Public Radio Facebook page, and there's a link there. You can link over to Radiant Ravaged, which is a uh, Facebook page put up by the uh, Bear River Watershed Council, I guess, and, and this exhibit. And the students, yes. And the students. And there's some interesting <laughs> photographs there, I guess some of which probably will be in the exhibit and some not, but to give you an idea of what we're going for here. Tom Bunn, I want to bring you in uh, here. When you heard about this, radiant and ravaged, what what are your thoughts? I imagine most of your photographs, at least up to this point, have been radiant. Well, you're, you're out there, and you're in the environment, and that's the best part about photography. You have to be there. And you see uh, the most beautiful scenes in Cache Valley and in the watershed, but you're also looking at as uh, Dan might have pointed out in some of his photographs, you know, dead cows going down the river, uh, the effluent from the, the various cornfields going into the canals, and all that has to go somewhere. And I photographed it, and I'm, I see beautiful colors and uh, the chemicals that get washed out of these fields, but it's not anything that you'd want to hang on your wall, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, so you're, you're, I guess you would see dead cows. You would see, and tell me about the effluent from the cornfields. Is this fertilizer coming off or what, uh, chemicals? Is that what's happening there? I'm not there? sure what, I don't know what the chemicals are, yeah. but uh, it's a wonderful mix of colors and textures and all sorts of uh, strange things that you probably don't want to get close to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Miller, I'm looking at, I think this is one of your photographs. This is on the Radiant Ravaged. By the way, again, uh, anywhere you're listening, you can go to Utah Public Radio Facebook page and link over to this uh, Facebook page. Uh, tell me about this photograph. This is a river, I think, it's with the, some the Bear, river. Bear River with some very old vehicles sort of submerging in the process of submerging into the water. Right. They're, they're used for uh, bank erosion, or they used to be years ago. And, um, you know, it's just not a good thing. It's oil and axle grease and all kinds of contaminants. So, so, the, 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 so the cars are actually used or were used. We're used to, for, to prevent erosion. Correct. Which, as you point out, that's probably not a great idea. It's not a good idea at all. Yeah, interesting. How widespread do you think this, this was? Uh, it was real widespread. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we've got a, a collection of photographs, probably five or six, and then some people have been submitting other photos with, with cars along the banks. Yeah, yeah interesting. Embedded. Yeah, I, if I'd seen this, uh, I would have just thought it was just, you know, somebody's dumping their car, but to, to, to actually think this is used as an anti-erosion. Uh, right. program with that interesting so i guess this points out a problem that uh, should be cleaned up but but uh, who's in charge of that and who, who would do it I, i'm not i don't can't answer that yeah uh but at least the photograph would point out a problem correct and, and that's kind of what you're going for here yes uh, highlight a problem or uh, tom's photograph of effluent off cornfield that that could be a very uh, powerful tool i imagine tom to to point out the problem I think so. And if you go back uh, maybe a few more months on that Facebook page, Radiant and Ravage, uh, you can see I was kind of ruthless uh, in showing the way things really are. Yeah, I'm trying to get to, I saw some of your photos here, Tom, and I'm trying to try to get, yeah. So we got uh, one up Blacksmith uh, Canyon, a beautiful, uh, beautiful photograph. And there's some other ones. So describe uh, some, some of the photographs that you're talking about, where you're, where you're ruthless on that. 
I'm sorry, I, I couldn't hear you. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, you're you're talking about some uh, photographs that where you say you were ruthless. What were you? What were you photographing? Oh, uh, all the man-made plastics, mostly uh, that you find along the roadsides, and they get kicked down into the the stream bed or the river bed, and then they uh, they got to flow somewhere. Uh, they just don't sit there and magically uh, go away. They all pile up somewhere. And unfortunately, it's uh, in some of the more pristine areas that we would like to think are pristine. Uh, out there in the marshes in the center of the valley, it's, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, until you start looking really close, and then you can see uh, the impacts that we have had on the environment. And, of course, we all have to suffer along with uh, the wildlife that tries to live there, too. Yeah, I think this really points it out for me. If You, you know, I think a lot of us tend to think that uh, everything's downstream, if you know, you, I can do something upstream, and it's and it's not my problem. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, that's true. Yeah, so there, there's a picture on, on the Facebook page that somebody posted. I can't remember his name, and it was somebody in a kayak or a canoe out in the marshes, and there's a television tube floating in front of him on the water. Yeah, and there's there's got to be all sorts of chemicals in that tube that just leaching into the water. Right. Yeah, that's that's got to be a problem. And I'm looking at a, a picture right here, which is a. I don't know, is it an overturned canoe? What is that? That's a dead cow. That's a dead cow? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's worse. Yeah, <laughs> just just lying in the water there. Yeah, that's in the Bear River. Yeah. And yeah, that can't be good. It can't be good. Yeah. We're talking about Radiant or Ravaged. That's the uh, title of an exhibit, which is going to be happening soon. Deadline to get your photo in, if you're in the northern Utah area, uh, is tomorrow. So uh, go to the website, brwcouncil.org, and you can find out information about that. I'm interested in seeing your photographs and your uh, comments if you're not in northern Utah area. Uh, perhaps you uh, have seen some things in your watershed, whether it be in the Una Basin or Moab or St. George or Delta or wherever you might be listening. Uh, love to get your perspective on your watershed. Uh, both radiant, what's right with it, and uh, perhaps ravaged, and uh, what the problem is, and uh, how do you think we can solve that? We're talking with uh, Dan Miller with the Bear River Watershed Council, with Beth Miller, who is USU graduate uh, photography student, and with Tom Bunn, who's a photographer. We're going to take a brief break, and more following. Uh, my goal is to share music with the audience take them to another place or feel another motion just like a book does. That's the 11-year-old violinist on this week's From the Top. Join me, Christopher O'Reilly, to hear her perform well beyond her years. That's From the Top this week from NPR. Sunday night at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Wasserman Festival. Presenting concert pianist and recording artist Stephen Huff performing works of Brahms, Strauss, and Chopin on Thursday, April 3rd at 7.30 p.m. in the USU Performance Hall. Tickets are at arts.usu.edu. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're looking for your comments, perhaps your photograph, about your watershed. The Bear River Watershed Council is sponsoring an exhibit, a photo exhibit, called Radiant or Ravaged. It's an idea that Dan Miller, who's co-founder of the BRWC, uh, had. He, uh, in his past life, is a professional photographer, 
and uh, thought, well, let's do a let's do a uh, an exhibit. Not only looking at radiant, uh, the usual beautiful photographs you see, but uh, perhaps some uh, photographs of uh, ravaged areas. And that the effects of the watershed and the landscape can be radiantly beautiful. They can also have ravaged impacts. And that such photos can not only point out the beauty of an area, but also highlight areas that may need special attention or protection. And so we're talking with uh, BRWC co-founder and photographer Dan Miller, with USU graduate uh, photography student Beth Hansen. I'm sorry, I called you Beth Miller earlier, <laughs> Beth okay. Hansen, and uh, photographer Tom Bunn is on the line with us. We would love to get your perspective on your watershed, whether it be in the Bear River or, or, or what it, wherever you live. And the number to call us is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. What are the problems in your area? What have you seen? Perhaps you have a photograph. If you do, we'd love to have you post that to our Facebook page. Uh, or you can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Right there at the Utah Public Radio Facebook page, you can link over to the Radiant and Ravaged uh, Facebook site, and you can see a bunch of these uh, photographs. Uh, I want to start the, this uh, part of the program, Tom Bunn, with, with you. You have a, a photograph here that's on this Radiant and Ravaged Facebook uh, page. Uh, it is captioned, LeGrand Johnson in Hiram at work last weekend. This is a bunch of smoke coming out. It looks like a smokestack. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, we're, the city of Hiram uh, invited LeGrand Johnson to uh, move their central operations out of uh, downtown Logan out to Hiram, which is great. However, uh, I'm not sure what process they're using out there, but some Sunday mornings, that smokestack, as you can see in the photograph, is just skewing some sort of uh, vapor. Uh, and it, it, there's some solids to it because it drifts over uh, that new subdivision near the mouth of the canyon, and you get this L.A. kind of haze above that area, and it has this very uh, distasteful smell, too. And... When I saw that thing spewing, I go, "Okay, this is this is one for ravaged." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so that points out that our airshed, like our watershed, you you can relocate the the plant or whatever it is, but uh, the effects are are going to find us all. Right, and the other thing is those contaminants are probably falling into the water. Yeah, that's true. And I'd like to point out also about that photo. That that photo is also sort of radiant. It, it's uh, composed very well. The colors are are, are brilliant and. Um, Again, you know, it fits into kind of both categories. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Beth, you're I think in this uh, exhibit, you're looking for professional or amateur photographers. Doesn't matter. Yeah, we want we just want to encourage people to go out there and take pictures, maybe that they haven't done before. Mm-hmm. And so whether you have been a professional for many many years or just looking into it, or you're not a professional yet, or if you just have it as a hobby, everyone can go out and take pictures mm-hmm. and try and get their work into this exhibit. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about the photography. You, you Obviously, you're a graduate student in, in photography. In today's world, uh, it's it's just so easy to get your photograph out there. That's a nice thing, isn't it, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. You take your iPhone, snap a photo. You can share it uh, a lot of ways, but what what do you think that's doing to, I guess, the, the art of photography? Are, th- are there some really good photos, do you think, taken with the iPhone or... Or do you have to move beyond that? No, I think so. I think that the iPhone is just another tool that we have at our disposal, and you can still take pretty good pictures with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's what is nice about this project. We're trying to bring some exhibits to Logan, and I think that any time that we can have printed images that the public can see, I think that brings an even greater awareness because not everybody goes online and not everybody can see what we've been doing um, online, so we can have that actually in print, and I think that has an that has an impact that you can't really get online as mm -hmm. well. That's true. Yeah, we we're used to these days seeing a bunch of photographs or videos. That's just our world, but it's it's we don't see them often in print. Uh, so, it, can I take an image with my iPhone and 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 print it, and it'll be a a nice image? Um, I don't have an iPhone okay. personally, so I'm not sure like the resolution and yeah. those kind of things. Um, but I know that there are some photographers out there who strictly use iPhones. So I imagine that some of the newer versions of smartphones are pretty good. Yeah. Let me ask each of you, because you're all photographers, starting with uh, Beth, what, what do you use? Um, what's, what's your camera? I use a Canon. Okay. Uh, just, a, I guess, maybe a higher end or what? Yeah, I use a 5D Mark II. Yeah. Tom Bond, what do you, what do you use? And has that graduated over time? Um, I'm a converted from digital person. I used to shoot film all the time. Uh, now I have a, a little tiny uh, waterproof camera that I always carry with me uh, for the more, quote, serious, end quote, photographs. Uh, I have a higher res SLR digital camera. So you say you converted from digital or to? Uh, to digital. Oh, okay. I hard, okay. I was a hardcore film guy. Yeah. It's, you, you it's think not worth the, the mess anymore. Okay. So did you process your own prints? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, so the old dark room and everything. Yes, sir. I I graduated from Utah State with a MFA in photography uh, under the tutelage of R.T. Clark. So that that goes back a ways. Hmm. But now you've now you're in digital. What do you think you can get uh, just as good of images? I'm I'm convinced oh, nowadays the technology is just amazing. It, mm -hmm. It's beyond imagination what things you can do with the the new cameras. Well, there at least in my mind, there's a romance to the old the old style. You know, you're in the in your dark room with your hands actually, you know, um, manipulating the uh, the paper. I yes, guess. sir. I kind of miss the smell of acetic acid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beth's shaking her head. You, you don't miss that. Well, I actually am using the dark room for my studies. Oh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're, but you go back and forth, maybe. Yeah. Digital and and the old stuff. So what uh, what determines what you use? What I guess just what you're what the outcome you want. Yeah. Want to be. Mm -hmm. So you can you maybe you can do more manipulation if you process your own print. In the old style? Um, well, I think it's just as easy to manipulate things now with Photoshop, definitely. Maybe even a lot easier mm -hmm. to manipulate images with Photoshop. But sometimes you use the old style. Oh, yes. So so, so why? Um, just the look of it. Mm -hmm. um, my project that I'm doing for my master's project, it, I have to use the darkroom. It just mm -hmm. doesn't work the same way. Yeah. I want to turn to Dan Miller. Uh, I'm sure back in the day, I'm not sure how old you are. You know, I'm, I'm be similar age to me. 
uh, you know, I don't want to call you ancient, but you probably <laughs> start pro- probably start probably started out. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, probably started out non-digital. Absolutely, it was black and white film, plus X and tri X. Yeah. Um, At a certain point, have you transferred over to digital? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a wonderful world. And you can do just as much in digital. You can. You know, um, I was listening to Beth speak, and the the thing that I that kind of bugs me is it, it it's taking the craft out of creating the photograph beforehand or in the camera or in the darkroom, and because everyone's starting to rely on Photoshop, and they can do so much with Photoshop. You know, there, there's photos mm. that I remember shooting for illustrations that I created in you know in the studio and in the camera that people would have no clue how to do it now yeah so it's if you could use a movie term it's more post-production now yeah, uh, yeah. after fact explain that to me i can kind of understand what you're saying you create an image in the camera uh, yeah explain you know, that a little further. well there was some techniques where you could do double exposure on the film mm-hmm. um and the, the image that always comes to my mind is I have a, 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 a photograph of a child bobbing for apples. So it's looking under under the water at the child coming in and bobbing, you know, trying to grab yeah. apples with his mouth. And today that would be done in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. I yeah. shot it th- through uh, uh, a fish aquarium and, wow. had, and had the child actually bobbing for apples. Oh. Right? So, so you had to stage it. I staged it with, with lights yeah. and, and props and things holding the aquarium up in the air. and So you think maybe that's uh, changing or damaging people's creativity? Yeah, I don't know if it's damaging creativity. It's just it's being done differently. Interesting. Um, and Tom Bond, does some of this resonate with you? Have, you? have you changed the way you, I don't know, compose photographs in your mind, the, the way you approach photographs? Um, I'm fairly conservative and traditional in that sense. I... Do not use Photoshop. I try to do everything in the camera, and I may adjust the color balance a little or the, the brightness or contrast, but that's it. Hmm. So uh, No uh, Photoshop. Okay. Yeah, okay. So so pretty much as you take it, that's, that's what happens. It, it may be kind of old school, but I believe in uh, pre-visualization. I, I want to see the photograph on the wall as I'm looking in my camera. We're talking with Tom Bunn, who's a photographer. We're talking with Dan Miller, who is Bear, with Bear River Watershed Council, co-founder of that organization, and with Beth Hansen, who is a graduate student in photography. And we're talking about uh, photography right now. We're also talking about a uh, photo exhibit, which is going to be happening soon in the Logan area. And you have uh, a chance, at least another day, to get your photograph into this exhibit, uh, which is called Radiant or Ravaged. And the Dan Miller, again, what you're looking for is not only radiant, beautiful photographs of watershed and the landscape, but maybe problem areas as well. Exactly. You know, a lot of photographers, they go out and they see the beautiful sunset or the, the beautiful snow-capped mountains, and they'll take a picture of that. You know, as they're stepping over, uh, say, a dead cow floating in the Bear River, and this is just kind of a way to encourage people to say, well, you know, not ignore that, and maybe a photograph can, can uh, change that behavior or educate the public that, that these things are going on and it's really not all beautiful even though there's a whole lot of beauty in this area yeah and we've talked about some some problems that can be highlighted by by these photographs and this can be a useful tool it can uh again i'll drop back to our motorized use data project where 
the photographs that we collected, we also uh, collected GPS waypoints and we, we categorized the impacts that we were seeing and we present that information to the agency and in this case it's the Logan Ranger District. Um, and so when we presented the, that our findings to them, um, they, they would use it and they would uh, potentially uh, correct the situation. And in a lot of cases, we partnered with them and went out and actually did restoration projects where we created barriers to prevent the, the behavior that was occurring um, and, and change that. And we've had a great success with a lot of that. And, and a lot of the damage is starting to disappear after five or six years. Hmm. So it has been uh, useful. Oh, absolutely yeah. useful. It's a take, great, take it's a, an image in. It's yeah. a great tool. Yeah. We're going to take another break. And uh, before I, we go to break, and by the way, coming back from break, I want to uh, talk about a photo that's on our Facebook page from, uh, f- from the Facebook page of Radiant Ravaged uh, that shows a, uh, a trailer with bullet holes in it. And then there's some damage to the hillside, which I hadn't even noticed. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the uh, Citizen Watch, an, an opportunity for people to get involved in, in testing the, the water and helping out that way. More following the break. But before we go to break, I want to point out on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page a, a beautiful image from Sam Crump. Uh, he, he labels it this, this morning in the shed. Uh, so it's, it's pointing out toward the mountains. There's a fence, and it looks like some marshland. In a, in, a, in a stream. So that's very beautiful. Go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can see that from Sam Crump. And you can find that also at Dancing Wolf Photography. So thanks for that, Sam. Keep those photographs coming to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. We can uh, accommodate your comment. We'd love to hear about your watershed, your landscape, both radiant and ravaged aspects, at 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. Or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. Hey, did you hear car talk last week? One time I was in a parking garage and I noticed that there was a car with the dome light on because the door wasn't shut. I remember that. You went and you smashed the guy's window (laughs) so you could get in and turn the dome light off. No, no, no. I pushed the door shut and his alarm went off. (laughs) I ran like hell. (laughs) Don't miss the fun this week. Join us for car talk. Saturday morning at 10 and Sunday afternoon at 5 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread. At 300 South and 300 West in Logan, open Monday through Saturday until 3, offering lunch items, including veggie burgers with a lemon-garlic aioli or lentil salad with tarragon vinaigrette. And by the Utah Humanities Council, empowering Utahns to improve their communities through active engagement in the humanities, online at utahhumanities.org. You're listening to Access Utah. We're talking about a photo exhibit. It's going to be happening soon in the Logan area. The deadline is uh, coming up tomorrow. It's called Radiant or Ravaged. That's an idea from Dan Miller from the Bear River Watershed Council uh, to uh, have people submit their photos of the Bear River Watershed. Not only radiant, which you would normally get, beautiful photographs, but also perhaps ravaged aspects and problem areas. We've I've been talking about some photos that are on the Radiant and Ravaged Facebook page. You can link over to that from our Utah Public Radio uh, Facebook page. Uh, And we've been talking about dead cows and and vehicles used in the past as uh, erosion barriers. And uh, there's one striking image, uh, Dan Miller, of a uh, 
television floating in the in the water can't be good. So we're asking you, uh, perhaps if you'd like to enter this uh, exhibit, you have one more day, and you can go to brwcouncil.org for more information on that. Uh, but if you're anywhere else in, in the state or in our listening area, we'd love to hear about your watershed, and perhaps you could post your photo. And uh, you can do that to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can also respond to the program talking about your watershed at upraxcess at gmail.com, or you can call us at 1-800-826-1495. And, uh, Dan Miller, we talked about a photo from Sam Crump before we it has been posted on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. I looked at that photo, and I only saw Radiant. Yeah, You, I, you noticed Ravaged. There. I did notice Ravaged, uh, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but there's a, uh, an invasive weed there. I, I believe it's a teasel. Okay. Uh, don't know a lot about if it, you know invasive or, or noxious or exactly what it's classified, but I know it's a, a problem weed. And then also there was also a fence, and maybe not that fence in particular, but sometimes fences can can uh, alter wildlife behavior, and and uh, not it's not good for those types of things. Yeah. So in one photo, in one so photo, it, you're probably seeing some of that on the Facebook page, and and perhaps in in the ones you've seen, Beth, uh, both in one photograph, radiant and ravaged. Yep. Let me talk about this. Have you talk about this, Dan? This is a photograph uh, that I've posted on our Facebook page that's from, from, from your Facebook page. This is a camper, a, a trailer, trailer that you, mm-hmm. that you would uh, you know, haul with you to, to go camping. And in the foreground, there's a canister, and both of these objects are, are riddled with bullet holes. Yes. Obviously uh, ravaged. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not good to have these eyesores. But I didn't notice until I saw the caption on, on your Facebook page. There are some, some, some trails, some tracks up the side of the mountain, which apparently are not supposed to be there. Not supposed to be there. It's, it's a very bad behavior to do hill climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this photograph really encompasses a lot of negative impacts. Um, you know, the, the, the trailer was completely shot up and, you know, pieces of glass and all kinds of things going all the different directions. If you look closely, this is a, a tar- was a target area, and so, so it's starting to concentrate lead. Uh, they, they also use uh, clay pigeons for target practice. Right. And tar- clay pigeons, from what I understand, are full of all kinds of nasty chemicals, and that, that's going into the soil. And as you look around here, it's, it's been driven over just repeatedly, and that compacts the soil. And what happens is then the soil doesn't retain moisture, and so in the spring when we have runoff, it just leaves. And so there's not a slow release of moisture for, say, the irrigators downstream. Uh, and again, it could be carrying lead and, and not you know, toxic chemicals from, from the, the clay pigeons. And also what's going on here is a lot of these trees in the area are being shot up and they're being destroyed. Mm. They're actually falling over. And then again, the, the hill climbs in the background um, it, you know, cause erosion. It's a spread of, a spread of noxious weeds. Uh, because the weeds move in on, on those uh, disturbed areas. So, so there's a lot going on in that photo. Yeah, more than I would have known. Yes. And that points out to some needs for some education, I would imagine. Some people doing this shooting wouldn't care, probably, but some might if they knew some of the damage that they hadn't thought about. Right. Uh, let me turn back, next to, back to Tom Bunn. Um, I wonder, as you, as you go out and photograph uh, in, in, I guess, various areas, uh, to, to get the photographs, you have to actually be you know really in nature right i guess and that, does that change your view of it does that co- sort of change your view of what what needs to be done do you have emotion when you see you know some of these ravaged things and you take photographs of, of ravaged areas oh most uh, 
most definitely, Tom. It's kind of discouraging uh, to see the accidental impact that we're making on the, the environment here. You know, just by pitching uh, your bag out of the window, it has to go somewhere. And typically, as Dan pointed out, uh, it all goes into the watershed one way or the other. It eventually drifts down uh, to the lowest point. And unfortunately, that's where our water is. What what else are you seeing out there, maybe under the ravaged uh, category? Um, you know, construction, just for construction's sake, so it seems. I think the, the people uh, who were cutting down the trees near the Logan Riverwalk, you know, that was quite an eyesore, uh, and it, it raised a lot of hackles. Uh, it, and I want to uh, ask you a little bit, I want to morph the conversation back a little bit to photography as well. What would you, what would you tell, let's say, a beginning photographer, intermediate photographer, uh, wanting, wanting to compose the, you know, really good photographs? What, uh, what are some tips? First off, make a lot of photographs. You know, you shoot 10,000 and, you know, you're really going for a percentage. And... And the more you shoot, the better you get, the more you see your results. And the more that you can anticipate what your result will be, and so you might adjust the f-stop or the shutter speed or even do some in-camera cropping uh, to make your visual impact. Uh, Go out and be in the environment and make a lot of pictures. That's my rule. <laughs> yeah, and I, can you do that more economically these days with digital? Uh, pardon me, Tom. Can, can you do that more economically now these days with digital? I guess be, before that, oh, you'd, if, if you shot 10,000, yeah. that's, a, that's a bunch of rolls of film. That is, and that's an incredible savings over film because you can just get home and do a Control-A and a Control-X and your chip is clean. Yeah. So, Dan, what uh, tips? I have a great tip, and, and um, the thing I always tell photographers that are just starting out is, uh, first of all, don't get entangled in equipment. And I've got to have the best of this and best of that. Take what you have and go out there and do what you want to do and, and you know, go for the vision. But always walk forward. Always get closer and, and start to frame it tighter. And your, your images will increasingly get better. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I know. So when I, when I take, I don't take photographs that often, but I, I tend to when I when I get home, I look at it. I'm I am invariably too far away. away. Yep. Yeah. I guess the, your advice would change if it's wildlife and uh, you know dangerous. Uh, you Telephotos know. end. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of friends who I see their images, um, and even with telephoto, I I just think they're too close. I just I worry about them. You know, but but they're spectacular images. Yeah. Uh, Beth Hanson, what what tips would you uh, give people in terms of wanting to take better photos? Um, I think there's a good um, practice you can do is just take a lot of pictures of the same object, like moving around, trying to get different angles, just exploring something in a different way can make you start seeing things in a different way. But also with the Internet, we have so much information at our disposal that we can just find information online if you want tips on something you can just google it and you can find a tutorial that somebody has put up or you can 
find a class in your community to take a little class on photography if you don't know anything or if you just want to learn something new. There's so much information that we can find um, learning from other people as well mm. as our as just going out there and taking a lot of pictures. What about subject matter? Anything that interests you? Is that, that That's pretty much what you would photograph, I guess? Um, a lot of things interest me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more interested in people mm-hmm. and their stories and just the lives of people more so than nature. But I can appreciate nature photography, especially this project, because people are the ones that are being impacted, and we're also doing the impact. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. That could be quite the art, though, can it? You want to tell the story of a person in a photograph. That that can be quite the art to try to get that in, in a photograph. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Bunn, I wonder, over time, as you've had an interest in photography and, and have done this over time, have has your method changed? Have, have, has subject matter changed? What What's changed over time with, with your photography? I really can't think of any changes, Tom. Oh, okay. Uh, it's just a matter of getting out there and with the camera and exploring and documenting where you've been and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you uh, you generally like you like to get out into nature. That's what you like to photograph. Oh, yes, sir, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it? You just a, a nature lover, or what? Uh, what is it with a camera in hand that? Uh, I like to ride my motorcycle a lot. So I got a special camera bag that fits right into my uh, side pack on my motorcycle. Hmm. And, so and I'm, I'm killing, yeah, killing two birds with one big rocket. <laughs> That's, that sounds that sounds good. And on a motorcycle, you're you're out into the environment in a way that you're not in a car. Oh, it sounds like you ride motorcycle uh, too, Tom. Uh, I I don't, but I've I've imagined it. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, I guess the reason I don't is I just I'm fearful of. Of the wreck, you know. I don't have any protection around me. Well, that's a topic for another. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably have loved ones who are a little nervous about you on a motorcycle, I'm guessing. Most people who ride motorcycles do have those loved ones that are nervous when they get out there. But as you say, a topic for another day. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes left, Dan Miller. Uh, I want to have you... Uh, preview another event that's coming up, Bear River Watershed Council. This is the screening of a film called Damnation. Yeah, uh, this is also, we've timed it to be with the exhibit, and and we happened to come across uh, the opportunity to screen the movie uh, Damnation, which just came out. Uh, It was, uh, I think, funded by Patagonia, and and it goes through the science and and the reason that dams are starting to be uh, um, pulled down and how a lot of them have become obsolete and uh, serve no function uh, and and uh, I think the one example they're using in the movie I haven't seen it is uh, one up in um, no- the northwest and they they pull it down they, they uh, bring in these cranes and pull out the concrete and and the salmon start swimming upstream and they've never been able to go past that dam since it was built mm. uh, we're pretty excited about it it's our Bear River, Bear River Basin Forum uh, we have dinner and a movie and, and then a panel discussion afterwards uh, it's, I think it's $20 for, for this showing, um, and we'll have two speakers um, after, after the movie. It's going to be uh, Nick Schill, 
from Utah Rivers Council. He's going to come up from Salt Lake and, and discuss their work in the state of Utah on, on rivers. And then also Star Colbrook with the United Narrows organization uh, speaking about the United Narrows Dam proposal okay. and, and where that stands at, this, at the moment. So it'll be at Herm's Inn. It will. Uh, I just want to comment on this last photo. Take a look at this, Dan uh, and, uh, and Beth. Uh, this is from Sam Crump as well. Looks like a, maybe a road, very muddy. And then Rick West has commented, temps in the 50s here, snow is almost gone. We now enter the mud season two. Not as deep as that, though. Commenting on, on Sam Crump's photo. So you can go and look at these on our Utah Public Radio Facebook site. And uh, do go to brwcouncil.org to find out about this exhibit. Dan Miller with the Bear River Watershed Council, thanks so much. Thank you. Tom Bunn, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. And uh, Beth Hanson, thank you so much. Thanks. And uh, thanks for listening for... Uh, producers uh, Bennett Purser and Katie Swain. I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Utah Public Radio presents StoryCorps, an oral history project in conjunction with the National Library of Congress, recorded in May of 2013 in St. George. At StoryCorps, 74-year-old Peter Bamey and his wife, Tony, told the story of the prank phone call that brought them together. We met at the Naval Air Base, and I was working as a quasi-police officer. I had a job of overseeing some of the things, taking complaints and whatever. Now, in Alameda, no, at that time, no good girls talked or had relationships with the Navy men. They were off limits. And her girlfriend's father was an officer in the Navy, and he was stationed on the base there. My friend Janice and I were babysitting, and we didn't have anything else to do. We decided to call, and then they said extension, and we said 333. And my phone number happened to be 333. So I answered the phone, and talked to them, and they they were playful, they were having fun, and so I said, well, geez, come on out, and I'll, we'll introduce you to my friend Frank, and we'll have, you know, and I'll show you around the base, and they said, great. Well, they had no intentions of meeting us. All we wanted to see is what they looked like. We told them we were in a really old, broken-down car. We were in a, her dad's 59 Cadillac. And I had rollers, those great big huge rollers in my hair in a scarf on. And we came on the base and we went around the block once. As they're driving up, I spotted two girls in a car and I stopped the car. They looked guilty as the dickens. So I said, did you, uh, yeah, yeah, we did. And so that's how we showed them around the, uh, the station. Peter took me for a stroll to show me where he worked. And he looked down at me when he was showing me, and he, I think, later told his friend, I'm going to marry her. And so she gave me her girlfriend's phone number, not hers. <laughs> uh, she said she was 18, so we dated, and then I found out later she was 17. Now, Peter and I only knew each other four months, so you can imagine what my mom, 17, a senior in high school, wanting to get married. My parents owned a restaurant for 35 years. I took him up to the restaurant and he asked my mother, and what did she say, Pete? No way, you're not marrying my daughter. Well, 
I had to have permission. So I carried this little paper and pen wherever I went, and I bugged her and bugged her, and then I was fixing her hair one day, and I said, you know, I can do everything for you, and you do nothing for me. Well, I had worn her down, and she said, get married. I don't think you could ever get married that cheaply again. That was really... Uh -uh. Uh, we did it at the Navy base, so that didn't cost us anything, and and it was really, really a nice wedding. Mm -hmm. yeah. Except I said, "Honey, where where did that, where did that hundred and fifty dollars we had? Oh, I bought a wedding dress." Uh, my my yeah, uh, sister-in-law took me to San Francisco, <laughs> and I bought a beautiful <clears throat> white dress. It was beautiful. And after being married for 50, 51 years, I love you more now than I, I think I've ever loved you, really. I love you very, very much. I love you. These interviews were recorded at StoryCorps, a national initiative to record and collect stories of everyday people. Excerpts were selected and produced by Utah Public Radio. Support for StoryCorps on Utah Public Radio comes from Dixie Regional Medical Center, located on two campuses in St. George, serving northwestern Arizona, southeastern Nevada, and southern Utah. Information at dixieregional.org. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Dr. Carl Breitenbach practicing evidence-based family medicine at Basin Clinic in Vernal since 1987, with emphasis in complete family health, including obstetric and pediatric care. Information is at basinclinic.com. Thank you for listening to Access Utah Today. To listen to today's program and more, visit upr.org. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan. Part of learning the art, craft, and science of gardening is knowing what to plant 